Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to Choreographers of War. My name is Batty. I'm joined by my co-host, Rob. Hey guys, this is Rob. Uh, I go by the Harlequin as well. And we are going to be here today talking about some of our uh, our list, our uh, kind of goings-ons as we have the Codex coming out this weekend as of recording. So Rob and I have been spending some time sitting down talking amongst each other, talking in the Discord with our greater community, and putting together some list ideas. And Rob's had much more of an opportunity to put actual boots on the ground than I have and actually kind of playtest this Codex than I have. So he's going to be taking a little bit more of the reins on what we talk about today. But first and foremost, we're going to spend a little time talking about our basically our list ideas and our list can like conceptualizations for the three sadists that we now have going on so rob you want to give us a little bit of a lead in on how we're going to go into that and then we'll take a look at our first list all right so uh first uh we can cover what the sadists are they're the replacements for masks and um there are i said three of them but they basically along with all of our other rules like, all of our masks pretty much appear somewhere in terms of their rules still. More or less, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, we have Dark, which gives you that extra movement in melee with Consolidation and uh, Fallen Distance, and gives you Frozen Stars plus one attack. It's exactly. the new Frozen Stars. Then we have, uh, or uh, Twilight, no, Twilight not but Dark. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Then Dark... Which I really feel like should be re- switched with Twilight because of lore reasons. Anyways, <laughs> Dark is the new Dreaming Shadow. But now you do... Now there's no roll-off and there's no uh, ranged option. It's just if you die in melee to a melee attack, you get a fight on death. And it's a uh, 9th edition style fight on death. So you don't get to do it. You only get to do it if you haven't fought that uh, phase. But that means if you say charge, kill something, and then get charged back the next turn, you will get two fights no matter what even if you put if you don't get shot to death and you're even if you're out of position which feels pretty fair because like i mean as long as that that restriction is ubiquitous throughout all the codexes and everybody who has that ability i'm completely fine with that you know if we were getting shafted and it's like oh only you guys can do it if you can't fight or if you haven't fought already then i'd be really salty about that but if that's a ubiquitous thing throughout the game i'm pretty cool with that I, I think I think we're really going to excel getting a full melee profile. Because what what's what us so much about Dreaming Shadow before was that you got one single melee attack. Big deal. Yeah. You know. And even if you wanted a diffusion pistol, it was on a four up. So you yes. basically were shooting one pistol shot. The only it was only good on bikes, ironically, and void weavers. Yeah. Now it's still good on bikes. It's not terrible on void weavers and dark because they get minus one AP. <laughs> which is cool everybody gets an extra ap in dark so yeah. like this really pushes uh the effect of uh stratagems like the caress stratagem to ignore invulns yes the death jester's ability to do damage in melee is it pushes him to two ap and it pushes even our uh boats to one ap yes so, yeah which is something forcing that armor save is important yeah it is and then uh why don't you cover Light? You're uh, the most familiar with them. So Light definitely took over, and I, I, I love Light for this exact reason, because it covers two of my favorite parts of 8th edition book and kind of sandwiches them together into one. Light is the sadith that gives us the ability to fire our ranged weapons as though we had remained stationary even after advancing. So it very much retains that whole soaring spite, shooting after moving uh, action, including, you know, our 
haywire bikes, shuriken cannons on across all of our vehicles, fusion pistols within boats, even grenades from inside of boats. That's going to change. It's a very different dynamic we're going to have now. And we'll talk about some of that information a little later as we get on, get on into our list. But the other portion of the light sadith is the one that makes us unhittable on hit rolls of 1, 2, and 3, which is very reminiscent of Veiled Path in its own interesting way, which is, you know, something I liked a lot about it. And like like Rob mentioned before, all of our sadiths really do kind of take little tidbits, little, little little hallmarks of all of our previous masks and kind of consolidates them down into three sadiths. It's important to note, light only gets trans-hitmen out of 12 inches, but you can reduce that to 6 inches. Yes, correct. Yes, with the uh, the mirror uh, pivotal roll for Shadow Seers. Yeah, the is... Shadow Seer roll, which is effectively the new um, uh, Veil of Illusions, I think it was called. The pivotal uh, roll we I got believe before. this is... Yeah, that was the old one. Yeah, now yeah, it's yeah. like... Yeah. Important to note, though, before you do that, check with your local TO or whatever, because there are already people making different rulings on how the specific intricacies of mirror work when it comes to rules uh, like Light Sadith and beyond just measuring range for like rapid fire and stuff. Because it has been, the wording has changed and what that means is a little up in the air right now. Exactly. The wording is a little ambiguous right now because the mirror text says it extends the range by three, was it six inches? By six inches. Six inches. And so that would hypothetically you believe, okay, 12 inches, now 18 inches, which is bad for us so it seems like rules as intended it would bring it down into six inches which no is, it's it's actually different it makes the enemy six inches further away th- yeah, that's normally, what i mean yeah yeah so normally the question then becomes like basically does that like can they measure twice because normally you only measure once for yes. distance but can they measure multiple times for other abilities and it only affects the shooting that's kind of where the big to question is right now. yeah that. that's a, very fair as someone who does TOing stuff, I've had to look into this. So mm-hmm, absolutely. I, it's, there's a split in the community right now. Do you want to just uh, walk us through, want to walk us through a little bit the uh, first uh, list? Just, uh, do you want me to? Why don't you kick it off and then I will come piggyback with you and then we'll talk about a little more what we have going on. Since I'm doing the second list, why don't you start the first one and then we'll kind of go back and forth. Sounds good to me. All right, so we have a Shadow Seer who is the Warlord. This is important. And, um... I call them the Twilight Raiment Mirror with Pathway Seer. So they have Player of the Twilight to get back command points. We should clarify this is a Twilight Sadith list. (laughs) Yes, this is Twilight Sadith, hence Player of the Twilight. Yes. Yes. Uh, It starts with eight command points, and it should come out to, I think it was 1995 points. I didn't want the two Seers, if I remember right, Mm -hmm. to have different loadouts in terms of pistols, so I just left the five points on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It had the the that one has Twilight Pathways is the uh, key spell there, and mm-hmm. um, that allows it to move itself or another unit. Uh, after moving, though, there's no charging, but that can help with. Uh, I mean, double moving, as we all know, is powerful, and potentially this one sits uh, in the back, making it really hard to shoot at uh, other units in this list. Yes, and then moves further forward or takes. The second flank. Now, Twilight Pathways is restricted to just infantry now, correct? Oh, it, I think it is. Whoops. So it would work on the Death Jesters, but not the uh, Void Weavers. 
Well, even so, it would work on itself to get it into position and keep it moving around the field to kind of stay with its blob. So I still see the rationale behind it, because it keeps itself wherever it needs to be, which is important, you know, because Shadow Seers kind of tend to get left behind in those death balls. Mm -hmm. So giving it that extra mobility to keep up with the pack is, is, it is important. Oh, for sure. And we'll see that in the next Shadow Seer. This is the primary, more aggressive one. They're the future eye pandemonium with dance and also mirror of minds. So they provide that with future that's foot in the future. Yes. They provide, um, they get more reliable advances. And if they really do need to charge to keep somebody in auras, they can do it. And, uh, with pandemonium, they do want to get into melee with their auras because that's minus one to, uh, attacks for enemies in the aura. Even better. They provide a five plus five plus plus. Yep. AKA an FNP to mortal wounds with uh, Kegarak's eye. And with dance, they can provide just a generic six plus feel no pain inst- to all wounds. So they're, I am not sure about the exact organization of these two seers. You may, maybe I trade the eye and the raiment between the two seers. Yeah, to absolutely. Make the, but that's the basic idea is you take these things, you get two shadow seers, you get auras all over the place. Very powerful. I should also clarify for sake of consistency that Twilight Pathways is core and uh, characters. So it can hit itself, ah. infantry, and bikes. So Good. That sounds, yes, that is powerful. All right. <laughs> I, ironically, I'm not taking it in most of my lists, but I do think it still has play. Yeah, I'm not so sure I am either, to be honest with you. Because losing that, that movement on a, on a boat kind of kinda stings now. But that's, I mean, we'll play with it. There's definitely a lot of minutiae that we have to work out. But moving back yeah. into, your, uh, into your characters... Okay, so uh, we're going to cover the elites next. Yep. It's just three Death Jesters, a favored Harvester. So they're favored of Kegarak, and they have the Harvester p- pivotal role. So basically, they're guaranteed four hits with their Shrieker Cannon no matter what, because they can turn a hit roll, they can turn one roll per six, per turn into a six. Mm-hmm. And so you just roll your three hit rolls. Even if you roll three ones, you turn one of them into a six afterwards. Yep. And that's four hits right there. Yep. And if you roll really well, you can get 12 hits. With a Stratagem, Bladestorm, you can get 15 hits if you somehow get all sixes. Which is pretty crazy for, yeah. uh, what is it? I think this guy costs uh, 70 points. So, and a Warlord trait. Which we can now get bonus. We can get up to two bonus Warlord traits in a standard 2k list. Yep. And a third one on our Warlord itself. So in a 2k list, you can take all four legal Warlord traits available to your army. Fun fact. <laughs> then... We have the anti-Overwatch minus two movement over guy, the Lord, I call him. Yep, the Lord of Crystal After Bones. his pivotal role. Yeah, he has such a cool name. I, like, I love that name. Lord of Crystal Bones. Yeah, right? <laughs> Death Jesters are pretty hardcore now. And, I mean, he has been weakened. I believe he can't affect monstrous creatures or vehicles anymore. Yeah. But he's still pretty useful, because the Shrieker is now strength six, AP two, damage two, right? So, like... Mm-hmm. Three hits. He also can do melee damage now. So even if he's mostly just a utility character, you probably need somebody to sit backfield no matter what. So you might as well, you know, get it relatively cheap and get extra utility out of it. Which I know you're going to touch on this in a minute when we get to your third Death Jester, but people are really sleeping on the fact that Death Jester has a melee profile now. Like, that is nothing to, mm-hmm. to, to gawk at. This one, I call him the Knives Ghoul. <laughs> he eats you and stabs you, and it's just it's gross, man. You don't mess with this Death Jester. Not and that's what he's about. He's order. about he. Yes, not even necessarily in that order. He's he's a ghoul. He'll eat you alive. 
And he really will. In melee, if he can survive till the end of the turn, end of the fight phase, he will have done a total of six attacks, hitting on twos, doing a mortal wound on fours at strength four, AP one, damage one for mm-hmm. their regular wound rolling and post non-mortal wounding. Mm-hmm. And then he does three more. That's because of ghoul, which works both in melee and ranged. Yep. And he'll do three more attacks via pseudo attacks via uh, the knives, mm-hmm. which will do a mortal wounds on a two plus. Yep. Unless the enemy has minus one to hit, then it's a three plus, but that's not super likely. Yeah, so he's averaging at least five mortal wounds per combat phase? Roughly. Yeah, he averages about five mortal wounds in a combat phase, um, about one and a half in a, sh- a shooting phase, mm-hmm. and he ignores cover too, just as a bonus. He is like melee sniper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is the second... We have a lot of extra ways to bring basically bonus solitaires, as I call them, and he yeah. is he is the mortal wound bonus solitaire. So this was an interesting little little uh, little combo you put together that I hadn't really considered because, on the one hand, like I think I, f- I still feel like death Jester, three death jesters is a little I don't want to say taxing, but it's kind of spreading your resources a little thin. However, I really love the concept of this one because he's great for that exposed flank. Where, like, if you're ever against an army that you know is going to be getting around you, like a Gene Stealer cult who can be wherever they want in any place and time, someone that's super mobile, someone that's super flyy, someone you can put out there that you know is going to have to be rough and tumble in the, you know, in the action, in the fray, and can stand up and do it. So he, he's an important character to fill that little slot right there, where it's, you're not losing the accessibility to, you know, holding back a whole troop, holding back a whole troop master, holding back, you know, anything like that, where he's still getting his, his bread by being back there. He's still got his 30-inch gun to do what he's made to do, but he's also specced out to hold that flank, which is, honestly, it's a, it's a really niche scenario that I like. Yeah, it's definitely, what's funny is, for Twilight, in a lot of ways, the Lord is the most important death jester because sometimes you just can't afford to be overwatched, right? Yeah. But in other ways, the other two guys just got insane deeps, man. They're just like dots, 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 dots. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't escape them. They're just gonna kill ya. And they may not kill a ton, but like one of them can solo a squ- They can both potentially solo MSUs. One mm-hmm. of them is better into mm-hmm. MEQs, the other's better into more GEQs, but they yeah. both can potentially take out an entire squad in one turn by themselves. In melee. Like, yeah, in melee. Well, the other one requires shooting. Well, yeah, no, I'm sorry, yeah. at, at least this one yeah. in melee, which is unheard of for a Death Jester yeah. circa, you know, four weeks ago. Death Jesters were just dead in the water in melee, even as Harlequins, and this is, a, this is really unfound, which is great. It's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And then um, we get to the meat of the list, the troop slot. Uh, we're going in order. I'm going in order here based upon the old Force Org chart back in third. Elites uh-huh. came second. So, you know, fun fact of the day. We used to, nowadays I know people write it, HQ troops, elites, fast attack, heavy support. But we nice. used to do it in a different order. Fun <laughs> fact. So uh, we've got four players, or four squads of five players each yeah. with four pistols, because you can take two neuros and two fusions, Correct. and five melee upgrades. <laughs> me being me, I like to put a power sword on the leader, because even though it costs the same points, I really hope it comes down and just becomes a free upgrade for him. And if it doesn't, well, I just like the idea of a guy with, like, he has some utility. Like, yeah. sometimes you need that extra AP spike, and he has two wounds, so, like, you can just kill him because he doesn't give any keywords anyways, so. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, do you want to explain the four pistol, the five-man four pistol plus grenade trick? 
Um, so effectively, just especially once you're inside of a vehicle, you have a, basically you you can you have so much different shooting options inside of a vehicle in and of itself. So you have a list of four by five players of four pistols and a grenade, as you just mentioned. So anytime you're within well, effectively six inches, because you need six inches for the fusion pistol, but you get two shots at strength eight, AP four, uh, D six plus two damage. You get two shots that are effectively just straight up doing two mortal wounds because neural pistols are good now and I hate you for it. And then you got a third guy who doesn't have to throw a shuriken uh, a shuriken round. He throws a uh, prismatic grenade at strength 4 AP1. I think it's plasma grenade, but yeah. Really? Is it plasma? What is it grenade? called? I think we have plasma and haywire. We're still at harlequins. I mean, we're still Eldari. So we get, you might we be right. get might be plasma, plasma grenades right. and haywire grenades are just standard. I think we steal haywire from the uh uh Drukari, and we steal plasma grenades from uh, Guardians. We, you know, nick them while we're doing a show. That's probably right. But either way, as I was mentioning, as, as you implied, there's a lot of different shooting profiles we get going on at range, and the grenade is D6 shots, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes. Yeah, so Blast. it's just... It's, it's while you're losing the quote-unquote shuriken of the shuriken pistol, you're getting D6 shots out of a grenade. So there's a lot of impressive, variable firepower coming out of one single troop inside of a Star Weaver instead of just fusions that are killing, you know, four models or melting a, I mean, admittedly reasonably sized piece of armor. But there's a lot of versatile shooting that gives you a lot of expansive options and where you want to put it, and they all have their place into pretty much whatever you're putting it into. And now that you have luck dice, your chance of killing someone like Eldrad is up, up, up. You've got mass shooting into him. He invulns as much as he wants, but you don't care. You're like, you can only, you, you just try to get one fusion past his invuln and then hit him with a bunch of shots. Including the fact that your shurikans are now gain an AP base and a damage base. Yes. So, yeah, your net damage is basically the same on average. But it is so much more consistent as long as you aren't firing into vehicles. And even then, it's still pretty consistent. The yeah. neuros are strength 6 AP 3, so like damage 1. So like into a buggy, you're doing about the same still. You're still wounding a good portion of vehicles on 4s. Yeah, like you're losing the fusions, but your fusions that you do keep gain 2 damage. Mm -hmm. Which is the, a net 1 damage on average, I believe, statistically, if I remember the math right. And if you're within, assuming your old fusions were within 3 inches. But now they get this when they're within 6 inches, so that's a bonus. And your neuros are doing mortal wounds, which, you know, save that. And then you just have D6 plus 6 shots. Yeah. After that, like, you're so much more versatile now. Like, people are like, what about my fusion boats? And it's like, fusion boats were mathematically bad into many targets. These yeah. guys are yeah, not. Yeah, they were. They are good into, they're universally, like, average at worst. We, we talked about this briefly in the, the Lost episode that never got to get posted, but we talked about it briefly that, you know, the, we this game really dropped a lot of the inconsistencies and fusion and haywire to a bigger extent, but fusion was a big prop, a big proponent of that, where you just had some wildly swingy damage rolls on fusions, and, you know, being in, in melta range helped a little bit, but, like, I vastly prefer this D6 plus 2. It just feels better. It just is better. Yeah. And I'm more than happy to lose two fusions to keep that versatility. And with Neuros being good, I was a, I was a big offender of spamming fusion boats for all of 8th edition. I'm not missing it, guys. I'm really not missing it. Speaking of more consistent damage, the list rounds out with three Void Weavers in squads of one. They can squad up now up to three, although I wouldn't be surprised if GW nerfs that down to two, because nine Void Weavers is cray. We'll see, but that would be how I'd probably nerf them. 
because like I don't want us to get buggied, but we could. Mm-hmm. We're well, these guys are cray. Yeah, they are the Void Weaver now gets double the shots on its Prism Cannon at strength twelve now, AP four. 2d3 damage and that 2d3 is much more consistent yeah you're less like you're actually less likely to roll a six but you're more likely to roll a four or a five so fun fact about that as well you can use your luck dice to re-roll void weaver damage yes but it's only a one ninth for max now instead of one sixth but you can't roll a one at all, so that's pretty That's pretty good. Exactly. My, my point just being is that, you know, people look at the luck dice as a pseudo-reroll, where, you know, you get to reroll oh, a yes. single dice. That's not the case with this. You can use your luck yes. dice to reroll the entire damage roll. Speaking of luck dice, always roll for two. That gets you five, which is the most consistent. It has, yes. And uh, th- there's a lot of math behind this. It has to do with the expected outcome versus the consistency of the outcome. Mm-hmm. But that actually is the second most consistent outcome and the highest value outcome. Yep. So it's tied with three for highest value. So roll two, on average, get five per game. And then like in a sixth round tournament, you have five games where you have one round on average where you don't get five and instead only have three. But three is still real. That's still three free command point. Command oh, hell yeah. borderline. Yeah. Like, and boy, is it fun to throw those on a solitaire. Like, oh, you finally made it past my T4, minus one to wound, three plus plus, minus one to hit, ever, all that jazz? Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Command, let me just luck those three plus pluses back into saves. Yeah, we'll be talking about it's luck dice a lot more in depth when we get actually get into our codex review when yeah. we have the book in hand, but there's some nutty, some really fun, really consistent things we can do with our luck dice that really makes this army's power magnified. So this list is kind of funny. It's it's A lot of people will see it and think it's not playing to Twilight, but that's the thing. Twilight already gives it huge mealy pie. Oh, and that's where the list finishes off. Yes. Two squads of four Skyweavers with glaives and haywire. And so that provides, it's got plenty of shooting in this list. Mm-hmm. So much shooting. The melee, you get plus one attack, and you can, so you've got movement shenanigans out the wazoo. You can potentially move 10 inches after a charge. Yep. Not including the charge. So you could, in theory, move 22 inches just after your movement phase. It's redonkulous. Like, these guys are crazy. No, I like th- I like this list you put together a lot in the little bit of like tweaks and conversation we had about it. Um, it feels very well rounded, and there are some points that we noticed. I-, I should say that I pointed out that you agreed with. It feels very counterintuitive to see, especially a ninth edition Harlequin list that doesn't have a troop master or a solitaire. It feels strange, mm-hmm. especially in a light list that wants you know all that melee force up in front. But we have to remember that the solitaire is not benefiting from any of these buffs by himself. Even though he's good now, he's not benefiting from any of these buffs because he doesn't have a sadist keyword. And the troopmaster is... He's filling a slot that doesn't really need to be there, where you have your melee power in and of itself from the players, from the bikes, and you don't need that targeted harassment as much, especially when you don't have forget three about death DJ Knife Goal. Yeah, he's, he's always about that melee life. I hate that name so much. So <laughs> you, you have a lot of melee potential, not only from the Death Jester who shall not be named, but from your excess of glaives from your excess of players that the troopmaster's kind of I, I, I definitely see him being in the list and being like I gotta cut something and it's gotta be him and I it feels wrong to say but I kind of agree yeah it's I mean this was this was actually based upon a list that started off with uh, less shooting and more melee but not like a whole lot more but definitely not as much more melee as you might expect like mm-hmm. for the amount of shooting it gained compared to the amount of melee it lost yeah even 
especially since a lot of times I feel like you should be able to reliably kill with, you know, 25 attacks per troop and uh, 20 attacks per Skyweaver squad mm-hmm. base. Like, even the Shadow Seers are hitting with 5 attacks at strength 6 AP 1 damage D3. Like, in addition to putting out mortal wounds, like, you just don't, as it said, it sounds counterintuitive, I know, but once you get, you, you want a balanced list, I think. These are, these are kind of take-all-comer lists. That's exactly what here. it boils down to. And they're not always even designed for the current meta, they're just designed in general for random opponent. like... The last list we'll go over is designed partially for the meta, especially. But generally, these are just generic good. Tweak them for your local meta, sure, but these should be pretty playable anywhere lists. Exactly. Uh, new Quinn's rock, man. Exactly. And, and you bring up a really good point there that kind of serves as like an asterisk underscore for all of what we're talking about today. Everything we're talking about is in a vacuum. Every, every list we bring up, every item choice, every minutia we talk about is subject to change, not only based on the global meta, the actual overall like tidings of the game itself, but what you play locally at home at your own game store in your own, you know, in, in your own garage. If you've got uh, two, two friends who play Tau, one who plays Ultramarines, and you know, God only knows what, like, you're gonna need more Haywire and Prismatic. You're not gonna need as much Melee. If you've got two friends who play Gene Steeler Cult, one who plays White Scars, and one who plays, you know... Custodies, you're not gonna you, your your army is gonna be very different than what we're talking about today. It's gonna be very different than what Jimmy's gonna be running at his meta. It's everything subject to change and subject to bounce off of what you actually have going on. Now that we've clarified that these are serious take all comer lists, why don't you tell us your serious take all comer list, Daddy? <laughs> so as, as we talked about before, <laughs> I, I'm definitely big on the the light side of the the uh, say this spectrum. I was a and Rob and I talk about this a lot, not only in the Discord, but in other, you know, conversations, that we, we were the two halves of the paradigm where Rob was very much the Frozen Stars camp, I was the Soaring Spike camp in 8th Edition Codex. And this is why we kind of broke up the list in the way that we did, where I'm taking over the light side, where we're going to be talking about, you know, much more shooting-oriented uh, lists versus his side, much more melee and much more take-all-comers, much more, you know... Uh, balance list. So taking that into, into account, my light list. Now, I wrote up two light lists for this. This is the one that actually tries to win. I know, I know. It's me. But the first light list that I want to talk about is just a very traditional light battalion, but it's very heavy on shooting and really wants to focus on that turn one alpha strike in pushing you as far back as possible and keeping that momentum pushing forward it doesn't quite as much want to be in your face as much as pushing you away from the face of the fight so starting first and foremost i do have a troop master on my list it is going to be a foot in the future troop master with storied sword and um queen of shards so just getting a lot of melee damage, playing that that very traditional troopmaster missile role, very much filling the same slot that our uh, Twilight Fang, rest in peace, used to fill back in Eighth Edition. Uh, piggybacking off of that, I have my Shadow Seer, who has the um, Shadow Stone and the uh, Mirror Pivotal role with a neuro- neuro disruptor, very much playing mid-game threat range and trying to keep everything moving around her. Shadowstone blowing out all her auras, making her the center of the stage, and Mirror, again, as we just explained before, taking that range that your opponent can shoot you and pulling it farther back, thus reducing their rapid fire, reducing their effective ranges, everything like that. 
Uh, taking it from there into my elite slots, I also have a uh, Harvester Favor Death Chester. We're going to see a lot of the same themes we talked about here, because a lot of these combos just work. They're pretty ubiquitous regardless of the list you're playing them in. And even so much here with the Death Chester being able to be on the move, even advance, and get into a better position and still take all these shots is going to be super effective in this list. I also have a Lord of Crystal Bones Death Jester in this list, just to, again, especially with Tal being so prevalent, really being able to have that option to take off uh, Overwatch while you're not in a Dark Sadif is super important. So just having that in your pocket is great. And even though, as I mentioned before, I'm not personally big on running three Death Jesters in this list, I only have two in mind, for example, um, I definitely like having that overlapping fields of fire where you can have two death jesters at two different spots and your opponents really don't have anywhere safe to be, especially when coupled with that troop master I mentioned before and a traditionally good prince of light sol or prince of pain, excuse me, prince of pain solitaire. So to go into what the prince of pain does, so I can pull the sadith up for you real quick. Just I'm sorry, pull the um pivotal uh, pivotal roll up real quick just to give you the exact wording. The solitaire in this edition is I feel like it's back. I'm not trying to say it is the end-all, be-all. It is a, a forced addition into every list. It's not a staple by any means, but I think he's back where I feel good putting him on the table again, and I was looking for every excuse to do so. Uh, again, he's still, you know, strength... Actually, he's not strength 4. He's strength he's strength 4 now, which is good. It's being base strength 4 and giving all of his melee weapons... What is it? Plus 1 strength? Plus 2 strength? Base? Plus two. Plus two he strength, gets, yeah. He, he just hits at strength two, AP three, damage two, flat. Yeah, so he's hitting at strength six. Strength six, AP three, flat two damage is a hell of a profile. Like, eight attacks of that profile is, is, is getting through a lot. And he can give that profile ignore invulns with uh, his the crest strap. Exactly, you're reading my points. mind. So, I mentioned prior that the, the Solitaire has a bit of a, uh, a caveat to it that kind of hurts, is that it currently doesn't have the Sadith keyword that gives it a lot of the ability to be buffed by our, obviously our Sadith abilities, but auras and psychic powers can't affect him because he doesn't have the Sadith keyword. And that's a big pain because, you know, obviously, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive that there's one army that just, one uh, unit that just kind of doesn't exist for the sake of the rest of your army. But it's fluffy. As part of that, though, he is T4. So he's, he's basically, he was already our unofficial named character, but now he's got a Phoenix Lord stat line, basically. Similar, not exact, but he's definitely got that unique special character stat line. There's a reason you only get one of them. Yeah, yeah, totally. So to uh, reference the Prince of Sins, Prince of Sins, not Pain, excuse me, Prince of Sins' uh, pivotal role says, um, each time an attack is made against this model, subtract one from the attack's hit roll, and the attack's hit roll cannot be re-rolled. So, not only does he get a gen uh, generic minus one to hit in melee for having Harlequin's panoply, uh, panoply, panoply, have you pronounced that? Um, yeah. Panoply. Panoply, thank you. So he does have Harlequin's Panoply, so he gets a generic minus one to hit in melee just for having that ability, which is good. This ability gives him another minus one to hit in shooting, making him hard to hit in shooting, not to mention the Light Sadith outside of 12, making him harder to hit in general. And the attack cannot be re-rolled. That is super effective for someone who's only going to be Toughness 4 and needs to kind of hoof it on foot to get to where he wants to go. But importantly speaking, that uh, minus one to a hit in, a, in melee, he gets an additional minus one from this, which while you can't stack them anymore, giving him a minus two, it balances out anything that might be giving it a minus one, or giving the, them a plus one, to kind of help you keep that minus one in melee in. And this is going to make him a tanky little guy to keep in that back line of your opponent's line, and again, demand attention. 
Oh, so going back real quick, I mentioned uh, the troop master, or not the troop master, the 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 guy who takes the power sword in the five melee troops. The troop leader. Uh, yeah. Troop leader. Yes. The the head, the lead player. I lead think he's player. Called. Yes. Yes. So what's interesting is he's another kind of knock on from other from craft world's design similar to how the solitaire got his partial buff to be a little bit more like drazar and phoenix lords and uh the lead player only gains one wound but that's actually part of why he's so good you probably shouldn't kill him in an explosion because now he can soak up t- two hits or two mortal wounds you gotta you know obviously multi-damage he doesn't it doesn't matter who you assign it to but he can he not only throws a grenade for you he jumps on a grenade for you he's great i love him the the extra the extra ablative wound per squad is like 20 percent more wounds man yeah i cannot stress enough how valuable that's turned out to be as i'll get to later but uh i know it seems like a random tangent but uh i was just reading through our lists and like we're we're about to we're about to get to the players for this list, so <laughs> exactly. It's a good segue into getting us into talking about the players I have in my army because I'm going to be running three squads of five players, all in boats. Again, very classic, very traditional. Not only Harlequin, but soaring spite playing style, putting a bunch of you know Harlequin guns in boats and just skirting them around the field because you don't get that minus to hit, so you can move your full effect of 22 inches with your advance on your boats and still have that six to 12 inch range to shoot all of your guns without any sort of consideration. That and that includes your grenades, which is awesome. I do run the same um, shooting loadout that Rob mentioned: two neuros, two fusions, and one. Just shuriken, which is usually going to be throwing a grenade. However, mine are going to be kitted out with some melee upgrades. I'm actually taking one of each of the Harlequin weapons. I'm taking a kiss, embrace, and a caress. I personally really like that versatility, being able to give every troop an option and a threat range. When they all have the same stats, it kind of seems silly not to have at least one of them, just to give you variability and give you variance and the ability to pull up whichever stratagem you want when you need it. And it kind of helps cover your butt in making little minutia of mistakes or trying to micromanage where you put each troop. Yeah, actually, so we, we unfortunately, it doesn't show as much. It would only show a little bit in the list we're covering today. But contrary to what a lot of people think, the number of viable troop options you have now as once you adapt for your meta and whatnot, is so much higher than before. Troops can reasonably come in four sizes instead of two. Uh, five, six, ten, or twelve now, instead of realistically just five or six. Uh, you've got huge variety in your melees, because you have one, two, and three weapon specials. Then you have N or N-1, where N is the squad size melee upgrades. Mm-hmm. And then you can even mix, like, say, do you give your leader a power sword or something else? Like, there is... And then even with pistols, like... Do you do two fusions, two neuros, or all of them? Yeah. Like, or even eight if you run a big enough troop. Exactly. An 11 plus, heck, I would argue 11 size troops have play too, because if you can get just one lost ablative wound, you give up, you stop giving up blasts while still gaining the extra weapon options. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, we get, our, even though, like... It does, I mean, it sucks that a lot of us went out of our way to get 3D options, 3D printed options, or even customize, make our own, like, you know, there's tutorials for turning a kiss into a fusion and a, uh, uh, what is it, an embrace or whatever. And it does suck that those are gone now, that we, a bunch of us have illegal player loadouts. Oh yeah, I had to straight up blue stuff mold about 10 fusion pistols for my army. 
So <laughs> I bought blue stuff just for that yeah. and ended up buying the 3D printed ones from Shapeways anyways. Uh, yeah, that was, that's like $150. I, I guess I'm just going to buy, convert the rest of my troops from, I really like the Blood Bowl elves, wood elves. I think I'm going to convert those from there because I, I already have weapons for them. Yep. So why not? No, I completely <laughs> agree with you. No, I'm in, I'm in the exact same camp with you right there. Um, so, like, like I said, I, I like to try to keep my melee options variable. I like to give them a little bit more of an option on what I can use or what I have to use and not have to be pigeonholed into whichever option I decided to try to maximize myself onto. But moving on from there, I do have, and this is a bit of a contentious choice that I feel like I'm going to be playing with a little bit more. I've got three squads of three bikes with shuriken and star bolas. So the bikes are the sky weavers for those less familiar. Because yes, I know we have a lot of weavers. Yeah. And we can't yeah. even shorten it to SW because that could be Star Weaver or Sky Weaver. Honestly. <laughs> um so I I feel like I'm gonna be playing with this option a lot. Because bikes are so good this edition. They were they were easily our best unit choice back in eighth, for most of eighth at least. I think they still are this edition, but that power gap has been closed significantly. But I'm pretty confident they still end up eking out that that top spot. But um I, I really I really feel like I'm gonna be playing with how many bikes I have and whether or not I want to slot Haywire on. And that's gonna be very meta dependent. But the, the bikes themselves carrying a shuriken cannon in and of themselves, again, strength 6, flat AP 1, flat 2 damage before uh, before shuriken rule. And then the star bolas, and I'm trying to pull up the profile to get it exact. I believe it was assault D3? D3. D3 yes. strength 7, AP 3, flat 2, if I'm remembering correctly. Sounds right, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's how the profile balanced out. So, again, really trying to maximize that maneuverability and the... And the pushing power of of a, of a light troop while still trying to maintain my line of demarcation, trying to let, uh, trying to you know denote where you can and can't be, and maximizing through light that I can zip around, get behind you, move. I can be wherever I want and still throw all these powerful bolas, all the super powerful shuriken directly in your face and keep you off where I don't want you. Um, I, I really do feel like I might be bouncing back and forth on whether I want glaives or not, because glaives are really important, and I feel like I might be lacking a little bit in the melee category for this list. Yeah, I I would honestly go with glaives here, but at the same time, I do see where you're going, because with light, you can go 22 inches, and then you have you basically have a 34-inch threat range of blowing crap up, as long as it's not minus one to damage taken. <laughs> That's actually a great segue. I'm also p keeping my list in mind for the light stratagem that allows us to f to jump out when we get charged. Oh, good one. Yeah, that is, not only that, you can heroically intervene after you do that. You can move 12 inches in your charge phase. It's crazy. Yes. and uh, actually, In your opponent's charge phase. I'm pulling this up while I'm looking at it because I want to make sure that that stratagem actually works on the bikes and not just infantry. But, um, <laughs> before I shoot myself in the foot with that, but that that was my thought process when putting the list together. Obviously, we're still working with a lot of the leaks, so I'm scrolling through the pins on the Discord like a madman trying to find all this information. But Oh, by the way, check out our Discord, Harlequin Community, it's called, and also check out our subreddit, our Harlequins 40k. Well, I say our, I'm just a regular poster there, but Batty's second mod, head mod. I mean, it's, it's uh, our we community. We run the Discord. I'm just the one. Yeah, who's it's our. To I'm a huge. It's our community. I happen to be a major contributor there when it comes to actual competitive content, but I'm not. You know, I don't got no official powers. 
I can't put on a green name, okay? <laughs> so You and your green hats. So to continue what I was mentioning a second ago, the capricious reflection stratagem, that is the light-specific stratagem, says, use a stratagem in your opponent's charge face when a light unit from your army is selected as a target of a charge. If the unit is not within engagement range of an enemy unit, so it's not already been charged, it can make a normal move up to 6 inches. Until the end of the phase, that unit cannot fire Overwatch or set to defend. Your opponent can then select new targets for the charge. So, that was my... Again, I, I was I was correct in my assumption that that was my kind of understanding for this army to use the haywire. I'm sorry, haywires. Wow, eighth edition to use the bikes as kind of frontline harassers, but not being at ground zero frontline. They're the ones that are going to be going forward, zipping around, throwing bolus, shooting shuriken, trying to tie you up without actually tying you up in combat. Because if you get too close, then the lead bike just boops out and runs away and kind of spoils your charge. Kind of forces you to overcommit into something that, that they can then capitalize on. So, continuing off of that with my bikes, the last thing I, I can talk about, which Rob mentioned to a brief bit of extent in his list, in the, the Twilight list, is I've got six prismatic hey, uh, Void Weavers. Void Weavers are very good this edition. Again, as Rob mentioned, being squadable, I can now take two squads of three instead of three individual ones. Prismatic cannons... You really should have taken three squads of two, though. He's bad at this game. I'm not going to lie. If you're going to go full meme, you got to do it. You got to do it right. So <laughs> you have not... You, like I said, Rob mentioned you have the prismatic cannons. You have so many shuriken shots. And the fact that they can move at full strength and fire at full strength every turn puts them wherever they want to be, shooting whoever they want to shoot. And again, keep keeping both high armor and low armor off the battlefield between that dispersed and the concentrated profile. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. They they don't die, and they just keep killing. They're like, they wake up, and they choose violence every day. They're crazy like that. Violence, violence, violence. They just shoot everything. 36 inches now. None of that old 24-inch limit crap we used to deal with. We have guns that shoot distance now. Although the shurikens are only 24, so if you want your full Void Weaver output, you do have to take a small risk. I mean, 24 but even the prismatic cannon for a turn or two. Though. Yeah, it's not. And even if you do a turn or two without the shurikens, that prism cannon slaps, man. Yeah. Oh, did, wait, did you cover the burst mode? I, I, I just touched on it. So the prismatic profile, or prismatic gun, has two profiles. Rob mentioned the first one, that is the Strength 12, AP 4, uh, 2D3 damage. It has another profile that I'm frantically trying to pull up the actual stats for. That is, I want to say it's Strength 6, question six. mark? Strength six, I think it's Strength 6, AP 2. AP 2, and damage 1, damage one. 2D, 3D3 yeah, shots. 3D3 shots. So the max damage is 9, while the max damage in the other is, in theory... 12. So it's two shots at 2d3 damage or 3d shot. 3d shot. 3d3. <laughs> Words are hard today. But those shots still slap pretty hard. And I mean, lo look at it. You, you, you grind orcs and custodes pretty hard with that. Yeah. Like orcs, custodes, they do not like you when you hit them with those. No, absolutely not. And, and you mentioned T3 models just melt. Well, that's, that's exactly no what I was AP, getting into. No wasted AP, no wasted damage, blast. So if they're a squad of 10 or more, you're just like, Nine shots, deal with it. Yeah, what, what are your guardsmen slash cultists going to do about it? Nothing. And especially with the insurgence of, uh, of Gene Sealer cult coming you know, coming up now with their own codex. Guard hopefully getting a codex before the new millennium. You know, we're, we're going to be seeing a lot more T3 on the table. Yeah, I mean, Craftworlds, Drukhari. I mean, I could see Drukhari plus clones coming back as a thing. That's going to be a lot of T3. Yeah. And then uh, pure Craftworlds, 
those aspect warriors are still... Okay, except for the fire dragons. They went to whatever gym the rest of the Phoenix Lord. Like, <laughs> Fuegan has, like, his own gym program. He's like, get yourself fit. He's T5. All his guys he trains are T4. They're just... They're swole, man. You do not... Me- like, those cannons, I guess, are really heavy. <laughs> did Dark Reapers go up to T4 as well? I don't think so, but, like, did they... Maybe they gained an extra Melia track or something, because, like, I always found that funny that their their leader is really just a death jester, and they're not <laughs> remotely related to that. Like, he's just a giant death jester lord. So that that was just the, the first impressions of what I'm probably putting on the table first as a light list. It's a little easy on the on the melee, a little heavy on the shooting, but I feel like that's where light wants to be at least right now as the meta evolves. And I I definitely feel like I definitely want more bikes, probably. I think I'm gonna end up swapping out the Shuriken for Haywire, especially if Tau ends up being as dominant in the meta as it remains to be as of this recording. But I think that's a good it's a good place to start off of. It's a good foundation to then kind of we can build off her from there. So, Rob, do you want to give us a uh, breakdown of where we're going from here? All right. So, yours personally has done three odd games with the partial leaks at various levels of partial, plus four games with the uh, full leaks, all rules, all points, all stratagems, etc. Definitely, I'm sure I've made mistakes, misinterpretations, imperfections, but I am going to present to you now my dark list and... Uh, commentary on some of the meta I've experienced and things I've seen. I've uh, gone into some... Uh, I've, I've, my dark list actually is my heaviest melee list, ironically. Not the Twilight, but the dark. And uh, so it trades Troopmaster first seer, adds a solitaire, runs an extra 10-man troop, but keeps and then drops one squad of Skyweavers. So it does lose four Haywire, but it keeps most of the shooting. So it's actually, I definitely think you need a good amount of shooting. Like, you put, so I'm going to start from back to front in this list, because that's kind of how it's designed to play. So because of the fight on death and the extra AP in dark, I like to play um, more of a solid style that really wants to take the middle. But that means I need to control my back at field as well, or else people will just jump up and I'll lose that. And, you know, in some of these new... Uh, CAA 2022 V1 missions, that's really, the Nachman missions, that's really punishing to lose your, you could potentially lose a command point, you could lose a victory point, like, you don't want to give up your home objectives. So I got, I got the same setup with, uh, three Void Weavers in individual squads, and, uh, the three Death Jesters, the Favored Harvester, who is the exploding hit madman, the Lord, who's just, like, no Overwatch? Why, yes, I did like that first No Overwatch, but what about second No Overwatch? <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes you really don't want to get Overwatched. You know, it's possible to take more than one squad of Flamers in a list. <laughs> so, and then my buddy Knife Ghoul, DJ Knife Ghoul. I know you hate it, but I just think that's a hilarious name. Like, this guy is hardcore, man. He's basically a solitaire, who is also in the list and can potentially stay back. I found because of his toughness... He can be a great late-game character, because your opponent just won't have the damage to be focusing on him. So he can just sit there, doing actions, killing any squads they send his way, just be like, this is my objective. There are many like them, but this one is mine. And you got five like us to turn. That's a great point you bring up, that because the, the Solitaire very much has the versatility and the movement to kind of just skulk around for the first, like, three turns, and then after turn three, just go full aggro and kill 
anything he wants and just start ping-ponging off of things and just really decimating an entire flank by himself. Because as you mentioned, people are going to be running out of gas by that point. You know, if your game's not over by turn three, you're going to be out of a lot of resources to that point that your solitaire is going to really punch above his pay grade. Oh, for sure. That's actually so. And he'll, because he's T4, 3 plus plus. Minus one day, I of course give him, make him a prince, because all solitaires are princes, thank you, but this one is especially princely. All solitaires are also sinful, and this one is too. Hence, Prince of Sins. It's a really great pivotal role name. I'm it like, really is. Yes. I like, think it's my favorite one, honestly. I mean, there are just, oh my gosh, we just need to list the pivotal role names after this, like, <laughs> all 12 of them, because they sound so cool. That's, like, where my naming scheme comes from, is I just take, I try to take, like, a adjective, noun, statement of purpose, yeah. like job. And their jo- pivotal roles all sound like jobs if yeah. you have a job word in them. So you can grab the job word. All your relics have a noun, and pretty much all your warlord traits have an adjective somewhere. So the three de- death jesters and the three void weavers, I mean, I can... I One of the interesting things about taking both is the death jesters can go forward, or the void weavers can go forward on later turns. Like, let's say my opponent has... Or they can just, the Void Weavers can say, soak up a bunch of out of line of sight shooting, and then I'll kill it, and then I'll just leave the Death Jesters as the only thing remaining on the objectives, even if the Void Weavers die, because, you know, yeah. the Void Weavers did their job. They're they're so tanky into shooting now. It's redonkulous. Like, exactly. T5, 4 plus plus, minus 1 to hit at all times, no hit rerolls. Exactly. It's ridiculous. You, Same you with don't Star even Weavers. need that light trans hitman to make them tanky. Like, don't get me wrong, it helps. But yeah, you don't even I need thought that. They, I thought you needed it, but you don't. Like, I feel so tanky in this list. Like, and I only have one Shadow Seer. Like, the Twilight list is even tankier with uh, the four Skyweavers, who are about as tanky per... Which yeah. are a little tankier per point than the players. Yeah, we're going to talk and... about that minutiae next once you finish talking about this list. But yeah, no, yes. exactly. And then, so that's like the back line. Then, uh... The midfield is generally uh, my Dark Rose Queen Troopmaster. This Troopmaster is the slappiest of slappers. She is the new hero hammer, just smash captain type character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're getting, in darkness, you're hitting, in dark, you're hitting six attacks on a two plus with luck dice, so you don't need to worry about dim ones. And then you your weapon stats are strength five, AP three, Damage three, but uh, you reroll all wounds, and on wound rolls of five or more, uh, Queen makes you ignore invulnerable saves, so you're ignoring invulns at AP three, mm-hmm. D three, which is insane. And then on top of that, you just deal free bonus mortal wound every time you roll a five plus to wound as well because of the uh, player of the Dark Warlord tree. It's literally just like you just bonk them over the head and they die. Yeah, nobody likes that. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not as fast. You're not as maneuverable, but that's okay. You're hanging out. You're you're just the mere presence of this character is a huge threat. Like one game, game one, I want to say I took the Dark Rose Queen for me. Basically, took out uh five uh Scarab Occult Terminators and then Armon. Yeah, just fought Armon on death. Yep, just like that's the great part about Dark. Even if you can force them into melee, you will be, especially with the Dark Rose Queen, you will be killing them back. So you can afford, similar to the Solitaire. To get out of position. Because I'm like, like the Solitaire can fight on death for one command point as a stratagem. Mm-hmm. And he does get plus one attack and uh, I believe plus one strength when he does as a bonus. But like he doesn't, he doesn't, as you said, get sadists. So that's not a native thing. Um, Another game, the Dark Rose Queen, even into like hero duels and like hive tyrants just went absolutely ham. It was insane. Like 
she did like 30 wounds, I want to say, in two turns. Yeah. She died, but she did 30 wounds into some of the tankiest models in the game in two turns anyways. Yep. So like, what you gonna do? You ain't gonna do anything. You gonna die. Don't mess with the Dark Rose Queen. And then that brings up the Ymir Seer, who also goes in the middle and is her is the natural counterpart. The Ymir Seer has Kegrak's Eye for the 5-plus Feel No Pain Against Mortals, yep. provides, with Mirror, minus 6 inches to shooting, provides minus 1 to wound aura, and get this, every single Harlequin model is now minus 1 to hit and melee via one special rule or another. So, like, you just say, you're defense against everything. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Aura's against everything. Like, there is nothing that, like is good into that. Or at least nothing that's as good into that as it would be without that. <laughs> and uh, what's cool is the minus one to wound aura now affects uh, bikes for free. You don't have to pay for that. Yep. And it still affects all our characters. Then uh, I've got my... I just mentioned bikes. Those go in the middle. Four bikes with haywire and glaives. They're just my tanky front line. They just go up and are like, hey, you can't effectively shoot me if I pop lightning fast reflexes. Oh, and the Shadow Seer has Fog of uh, Dreams, I believe it is. Yes. Called. And that means the Tin Man troop that she's handing out with, which I'm going to get to, they realistically can't be shot unless you're within six inches on the turn one or two when she's casting that. Yep. Oh, and her auras, you can psychic action and still aura. You can psychic action and for one command point, cast a spell and still aura. So you can psychic action, Fog, and still maintain all your auras mm-hmm. for no like there's literally it's just one command point no downsides yep it's she's ridiculous and that's kind of the refinement of this list like the skyweavers are down to a squad of four instead of five which i think is still fine i don't think you're really losing much about that yeah and then uh they fight on death they're minus one to wound i lightning fast reflexes is only one command point now so you bring up a couple points that I, I forgot to touch on in my light list as well, but between Lightning Fast and Fog of Dreams, we have some real tanky units that we can kind of really kind of dump a lot of resources into, even multiple units and dump a lot of resources into, and make them incredibly yeah. difficult to deal with. So, Skyweavers, yeah. Uh, the cool thing is in Dark, they become little dissy cannons. Uh, four attacks, yeah, they got 33% more attack space now. At Strength 5... AP3, damage 2. It's absolutely redonkulous. Like, they don't even need buffs at that with those stats. Like, yeah, plus 1 damage would be nice if they could take it. And I feel like they should have been allowed to. But, I mean, their increased defensive stats with, like, no hit rerolls being allowed against them. Just being able to lightning fast reflex in the phase they don't have minus 1 natively in for 1 command point, And getting Shadow Seers for without paying 2 command points per phase with the minus one to wound aura, they're just, they are statistically monsters now, if you start stacking buffs on them. No, absolutely. Even though they have a lot less buffs to stack, because, like, strength five, AP three, damage two, those are, those, and then the new Haywire is, even against its worst targets, it's still almost as good as old Haywire. Yep. Like, D3 plus one shots, actually, it's turned out to be very, and, and a lot, against a lot of targets, like, Strength 3, AP 3, damage D3 is actually much better than 1 plus D3 shots is better than D6 shots at strength 4, AP 1, D1. Yeah. Like, unless you're shooting Gaunts or, like, Lemon Russes, yeah. <laughs> like, that's the... Or there's not a lot of targets against which n- New Haywire is not better, pretty much. No, it makes sense. And it, it's it's important to recognize as well, just to, for clarity's sake, that uh, while... 
previously in the old edition, everything on a flying base was minus one to hit and shooting. That's not the case anymore in 8th edition. Now, boats, so sky, uh, star weavers and void weavers are minus one to hit and shooting. Bikes, the sky weavers, as we're talking about, are minus one to hit in melee, just like the infantry is. Yes, they're minus one to hit in melee, but they, all the flying bases are no hit rerolls. That's what they gain instead. Exactly. So into a lot of things that are into a lot of massed fire with rerolls, which is what they're weak against. Well, now they're just you don't get that. It doesn't work. And as you mentioned, you could just give an important squad minus one with lightning fast anyway. So it's really not that yeah. big of a deal. All they lose is the three plus plus, and in exchange they get minus one to wound. So pretty good. Yeah, I'm willing to take that trade. Yeah, and it doesn't cost any command points, either way, and instead, it used to cost one. So dark bikes are an absolute blender in melee, and still have pretty comparable shooting with their haywire or shuriken, depending upon what you want to bring, but what about your troop choices? So, first, there's the Bing Tin Troop. This is our uniquely kid. this is one of our, this is our third unique kitted troop. Uh, they're all melee weapon options, all damage, all strength 4, AP 3, damage 2. They're AP 3 because they're dark. Yep. So that is another big thing about Dark. The Caress strat is better in Dark. Just like in Twilight, the uh, Kiss strat is better. Mm -hmm. Because in Twilight, you get the extra attacks. And so you get more chances to roll sixes to proc mortal wounds. But hitting at AP3 and ignoring invulns, boy, oh boy, that, a lot of things just don't get in it. There's a, if it's a 4+, plus, 4+, plus, plus, well, you just took away their save. Exactly. Even 3+, plus, 4+, plus, plus, they're now on a 6+. Plus. That's basically <laughs> Yeah, no they're save. orcs. Yes, they are now orcs. And I do this in, actually, orcs, we'll get, we'll get to in a few minutes, but they're one of, I think, my toughest matchups with this list. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Because they don't have a new codex coming or any other changes that are going to make them, like, I think, anyways, we'll get to that. Yeah. So, finally, rounded off with the troops, which I think this fitting, I did use it in the Twilight because I think it's good in there, mm -hmm. but I think this fitting really shines in dark with the uh, four fusion, or four, not f four fusion, four pistol upgrade, yeah. five melee. Yes. And the big thing in this is that basically your opponent has to waste a ton of shooting to take your boat out, and then they have to charge your troop to remove their your obsec. And guess what? You're 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 either taking weight, you're minus one to hit, then, and you're fighting on death. So like, and you have a lead player who may absorb an extra wound. So say you only lose two to fight on death, and then you still have three to fight regularly with, and three models to count for obsec and so on. It's amazing. Absolutely. Like it's the these. The big thing about Harlequins is we've only been tweaked a little, but the tweaks add up to huge. Like, we got mathematically tweaked mostly, because we already had rules-wise amazing rules. Yeah. Like, every all the pieces were there, they just needed tiny little refinements. Yes, yeah, absolutely. We had the best Psychic Awakening. Yeah, short of Grey Knights, we had the best Psychic Awakening in the game. Yes. And the only reason we had they had better was because they didn't have a viable codex before Psychic Awakening. We at least got some play. Yeah. You know. No, I could agree with that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the list right there. So let's, uh, talk about the matchups. I've done Orcs three times. I fought Thousand Suns twice. Uh, Orcs and Thousand Suns once each, though, with the full reveals, yeah. full leaks. Uh, and I've fought Crusher Stampede and, uh, uh, what are that they? One Emperor's Champions or whatever they're called, Custodes. So Crusher Stampede and Orcs actually turned out to be my hardest matchup so far. Okay. Thousand Suns, though, I think they have potential, but I think that that's also a great matchup that shows that, like, Harlequins have a lot of room for 
tweaking lists and refining to the meta now, like, because we basically just have a bunch of viable units and they have a bunch of viable configurations compared to before, mm-hmm. like, do you take squad, do you take two by three Void Weavers or three by two? Yeah. Do you take Prism or Haywire? Like, we have a combinatorial explosion at the army level still, even if we don't have a, because, I mean, some armies don't have eight viable units. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, they don't have eight, then, exactly. They have a codex of 25 plus units and five or six of them are good. And then we have three statists, nine relics, six warlord traits. Look at, like, Tyranids, you know? Like, Tyranids have a vast model line that is, you know, dubiously aged, but they have a vast model line and most of it is... Mm. Even in Crusher Stampede, it's not playable. And that's literally make these units playable. The list. The army. <laughs> yes. If Carnifexes don't work, okay, people? Tyrannifexes can work a little. I, that was actually one of the harder parts, is the hero duels plus Tyrannofexes, plus I left a, I ended up screwing up for getting a charge and leaving a Hive Tyrant with bad luck on my end at one wound, yeah. which then just allowed it to open up the middle of the board. But I won that by five. Orcs, though, I only beat by one, and it was a, it was a very non-standard orc list. Bad moons. Okay. Bad moons. Yeah. With uh, 15 bikes... A Docka Jet. Docka Jet annoyed me. I was like, what do you mean? I had to waste lightning fast reflexes on my Tin Man troop, which was fogged, because he got the Docka Jet right next to them, and it was threatening to shoot them, or the Star Weaver next to them. And I was like, well, I want him to shoot the Star Weaver, not them, yeah. so... <laughs> I don't know if that was the right decision, but, you know, that's the type, like... And then T5, one wound, six plus armor? All my stats are wasted. Yeah. What do I do against that? I wound on a five plus... My, half my damage is wasted, and two of my AP are wasted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's surprisingly effective into us. And then, like, kill a can Rockets are really good. They have those flat three damage rockets, uh-huh. the special rockets. And those flat three damage is so good into us, because it's like... It's a put bike them on, or half a boat. Yeah. It's just perfect into us. Yeah. Like, one damage and three damage. Basically, it's just orcs are good at spamming one and three damage in their meta units, and those are what we don't want to see. So, like, I mean, there's definitely, I don't want to get too much into that list, but that was actually my hardest matchup. Like, the Bad Moon's docking, just with even five bikes, the amount of shots they could throw out meant all my dice cheating, which is the real strength and durability of Harlequins, Mm -hmm. wasn't enough. He was like, you cheat your dice? Well, I roll sixes. And I'm like, I didn't consider that. (laughs) (laughs) Roll enough dice and you will get a lot of sixes, it turns out. And then those sixes are exploding, and so on and so forth. And they roll more dice because they speed wall, and they just, they find this multiplicative effect that I'm like, yeah. space marine, I'm not afraid of space marine bolters anymore, but orc daka. Yeah. Eventually you put enough bullets in the air that you literally can't dodge, no matter how cool a harlequin you are. Right, exactly. It just becomes a bullet hell, and you're bound to hit one eventually. Yes. <laughs> so what about your, um, your custodies matchup? That... It's hardest to draw data from because my opponent was specifically playing Custodes just to help me get a practice into that matchup. And he doesn't play Custodes normally. That's fair. He's That's a, okay. He's That was the same guy as the Thousand Suns matchup. Okay. But he did he did about equally well into me with both lists. Okay. Um, I actually felt like I made more mistakes, though, in the Custodes game. Okay. And um, I still came out 20 points ahead. Like, I did what I was supposed to do with the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the middle. I held him down. I killed all his bikes, almost all his bikes early on, and left him with only one bike unit. I eventually took out, I want to say, one of the Dreadnoughts. 
And then the other one, I just threw Obsec and a single Shadow Seer on to outmodel Countess on and out primary. It, yeah. Uh, on my center objective. And like, uh, I definitely made some mistakes though. Like, I wasted three command points on the, uh, over, on the heroic intervention plus, and plus one damage on the solitaire. And then he failed. He only did, I want to say, six damage. Oof. And I needed him to do, uh, literally one more wound uh-huh. and he would have killed the enemy bike captain yeah along with my sky weavers because i think the sky weaver i think it was a nine wound bike captain and the sky weavers put out one or maybe they put out two and he put out six and then like they fnp'd one i think mm-hmm. so like the net effect the net damage was like it was criminally close seven yes it was very close so i killed him very easily that's another thing i have shooting yeah. I got shooting out the wazoo at strength 6 and strength 12. Yeah. What are custodies going to do that against that? They're going to die. <laughs> I mean, they do ignore my mortal wounds, which is really annoying. Because I definitely have, like, mortal wounds are a big trick in my specific list for yeah. upping my damage count with uh, the Shadow Seer. With Mirror Minds, mm-hmm. I have Dark Rose Queen. Yeah. And I have uh, Knife Ghoul. And none of, like, Knife Ghoul, I didn't even bother doing anything with him basically until, like, turn four or five because it's like he's just gonna die he's gonna be he's not gonna do enough in melee with their four plus feel no pain against mortal wounds right now Mm -hmm. which really needs to be nerfed but whatever (laughs) i beat them but it didn't feel like i felt like it didn't feel great like i think light has more play into them because of the uh and maybe even twilight like because I was generally the one who was deciding when combat started, but I just didn't have enough punch. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of it was bad command point usage, but, like, what do you do against that, man? They're just, they're so tanky, even when they're not needed. they barely needed their shots for tankiness. They were using them on, like, falling back to shoot and charge in one turn with the last remaining bike unit and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So the Custodes matchup really interests me because I feel like, at least on paper, that's a really hard army for us. But you bring up a lot of good points, and I'm really curious to try to try it myself and see how to crack that egg open. I think people, I think, if anything, Tau, and then depending upon your specific list, other armies that are maybe off meta yeah. are going to be your biggest concerns. So looking back at both the lists uh, we looked at today, specifically regarding Dark and Twilight, because Light is its own monster. It kind of stands on its own. It has its own little like meta space to fill. Dark and Twilight have a lot of overlapping fields in their Venn diagram. So I think we want to just close out the episode today to talk about some of those little idiosyncrasies and what makes them different and what makes each mask appealing in and of itself. Um, so I think actually there's there's more to that. Twilight really does fall between Light and Dark. It's It's got the plus melee plus one attack, but it also has the mobility. That, that it's just, it's mobility in melee instead of mobility in terms of shooting. That's well, fair. light is mobility in terms of shooting mm-hmm. and defensive in terms of shooting, and dark is defensive in terms of melee and melee. So, like, there is, like, a trifecta going, there's, like, we've, you get, each, each attribute has a mirrored attribute in one of the other. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Like, you either get mobility, defense, or melee damage bonuses, and those are your three options. Yeah, so I think there's actually, there's a really, there's a lot of subtlety to the statists, and then once you start, like, troop masters, like, uh, Twilight Fane versus Player of the Dark and AP-1, Twilight Fane with plus one attack base, and then player of the light with plus one attack and plus one strength like mm-hmm. those give you really different troop masters yeah and that, that's one of the things that you alluded to before like so i didn't get a chance to talk about this but um you mentioned before that our troop diversity is more 
like pronounced than it's ever been. And I agree with that completely. Our troops are so far from homogenized right now that there really isn't one clear cut loadout. It's like, oh, this is what you play. This is what you model. This is it. End of story. Um, same goes for our troop masters. You know, there are so many different combos and different little like little schemes we can put together to make a unique beat stick out of a troop master. And they will beat down the opponent. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when when it comes to, especially dark, because, you know, you will fight on death. So even if they interrupt or fight last you, you will get the last, you will get that last laugh. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's what dark is all about, getting the laughs in. You're all about your death gestures and your last laughs in combat, you know. And even though it is a melee sadith, the fact that it's tanky plus damage means it's a much more stat, oriented but also you're really walking the line as harlequins like we're all about manipulating statistics and being weird and that's like i call it the sean naden style because that's what he does with eldari of all types yeah and like he just presents a problem the opponent is not mentally prepared against already before the opponent the tournament and he's really, 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 really good. But that gives him an even larger edge because only if the best of the best will be prepared for whatever he throws out there. Like when he throw when he shows up with the incarn, nobody is going to be almost no one's going to be prepared for that. For example, with the old incarn rules, even maybe the new ones. I don't know what he does with it. We'll see. He's gonna he's gonna blow all our minds with his first few lists, I'm sure. But uh, that's like people go into Quins and they're like, oh, I hit on threes and I wound on threes into T3 and yada 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 and I re-roll and it's like no you don't no you don't no you don't exactly sure that they might think to themselves they know what those numbers work out to be but like against Quinns you're going to be higher variance and a lot of people forget how to take that into account so like my list is really big on that I just wait for the statistics to go sour somewhere and then I have the ability to take advantage of that because I have more of a melee strike force, so then I can, once a hole opens in the enemy line, I can just push through it. But I still need a lot of shooting. Like, it's still a hybrid list, I call it. Like, all my, tr- all but one of my, tr- all but one of my units, all but two, okay, all but three of my units <laughs> are definitely able to, uh, and the two of those are characters, you know, the Solitaire and Troopmaster. Yeah. And I think the Troopmaster, I think I had five extra points, so I think he does have a fusion pistol technically still. Like, they're able to do damage in range that's pretty decent, as well as melee. And yeah. that's a huge aspect of, like, the play now. I think with Harlequins, is you need to be able to play every. You need to... You, your list needs to be a mix of good stuff. But, like, the idea of Quinn good stuff is... It's kind of about manipulating everything and then taking advantage when your opponent makes a mistake. Because maybe not even a mistake, per se, but the dice just go against them and they didn't prepare enough for that. Like... I think it's going to be very annoying at the mid-tables because of that, because people are not going to be prepared. I, I love how hard it's going to be to metagame against this army. It's something you were just uh, just talking about and, and alluding to. Metagaming against Harlequins as a faction is going to be really difficult, because, you know, using us even as a, as a loose example, you and I can both say we're taking Harlequins to our local RTT, be playing two completely different lists that require two different types of play and two different types of list structure to play against. And that's really cool for an army of eight units oh yes gw we're the best we are at worst the best codex published since technically you know they can call it codex eldari but it's really codex harlequins <laughs> we are, we have stolen the show and we are the best codex since csm 3.5 at worst if not the best codex ever published by gw when it comes to internal balance external ba- and interesting balance all the things like it's so well done i cannot in 
I, I, I can rant and rave about how much I love our new rules for literally hours. Yeah. So we don't have, we don't want to waste your time in this podcast. So, uh, if I'm about to start ranting and raving, why don't we, uh, get ready to close it out, I think? Yeah, I think it's time to shut down for the night. So, uh, just in conclusion, that, that's basically what we've been going over in our heads along together and in our community, as I mentioned in the beginning, about what we want to look at coming into ninth edition Codex Harlequins. Obviously, there's going to be adaptations, there's going to be you know, meta changes that cause us to shift. There's going to be new combos that we didn't think of. There's so much diversity in this codex that we have yet to even really dive into. But next time we meet, we're going to be coming in and we're going to be actually talking about and diving into the actual minutiae of the codex itself. Talking about what changed, what didn't, what the book actually looks like, and how we came to some of these conclusions that we came across. So, at that point, I want to say thank you all for listening. And Rob, I will give you a chance to say your last salutations. We will see you all next time. All right, uh, that's all, folks. Take care, everybody.